0: At Domino's, we're more than pizza, so mix it up with our specialty chicken, stuffed cheesy bread, sandwiches, pastas, medium two-topping pizzas, and more for just $5.99 each, and we'll mix stand-up comedy with a robot. Stuffed
1: cheesy bread and my act have a lot in common. They're both super cheesy. (laughs)
0: Top you can also mix it up with Domino salads, marbled cookie brownie, bread twists, and medium two-topping pizzas. Order any two or more for just $5.99 each. Two-item minimum, bone-in wings, handmade pan pizza, and bread ball pasta will be extra. You must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary.
1: Gator fans, get ready for another Duly Noted podcast with your host, veteran sports writer, Pat Dooley! Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. Uh, This week, we actually, in this podcast, we will not have a guest. First time since the start of football, early before football season, we've been doing these, just got too busy. Uh, And a couple people that I tried couldn't do it. Uh, Just have been a lot going on in the world of sports. I mean, Sunday, when I got back from St. Augustine, I went and saw my dad and had a great time watching games with him. And I got back and I literally sat at my computer for the entire day um, because there was just so much going on. Obviously, with where Floor was going to go bowling and the college football playoff and all that. So we'll get to all that. And of course, um, uh, it hasn't changed yesterday. It hadn't changed today. It just keeps The news just keeps coming. And the big story today, obviously, is Urban Meyer announcing his retirement. Obviously, there are a lot of... Uh, emotions that run through my brain. Um, Urban and I were pretty close for a while, about as close as a media guy can get to Urban, which is not real close. I guess let me. I should. I should rephrase that. Urban and I uh, knew each other, <laughs> and we obviously dealt uh, with a uh, a lot together. We had a. I, I would say, like, if I'm listing the relationships I've had with coaches, it would be somewhere in the middle, uh, but. Compared to a lot of the media, it was better because I kind of overlooked some of his flaws. Uh, Maybe that was it, my fault. Um, When the latest thing happened with Zach Smith, I just I kind of washed my hands and go, look, I'm not going to stand up in front of a Gator Club anymore and say you guys need to appreciate what he did here because it's it that was to me was the last straw. Um, Now today, I have the emotion of feeling bad for the guy that this problem he has has caused him to retire now I don't know whether this was look part of the deal where they said look you're suspended three games and you're retiring at the end of the year or whether he felt you've suspended me for what for that uh, I you've I've lost faith in you I'm leaving at the end of the year and surprise him or whether it was look I am I, I'm gonna die if I keep doing that I'm gonna die on the sidelines and I don't want to do that Um Maybe some of that will be addressed at his press conference, which was coming up in just a little bit. But all I know is if you watch the Maryland game, and we've seen this during the year, he he, uh, fell to his knees with a headache at one point. But if you watch the Maryland game, the guy looked like he was dying on the sideline. He literally looked like he was trying to keep his scalp on because his head was obviously bothering him. Uh, And I feel bad. That part of me feels bad for Urban. It feels bad for... Uh, what he's had to go through, and it's pretty clear to me, and clear, I think, to a lot of people, he needs to quit coaching football. You're set for life financially. You're set for life. You can go back to ESPN. They'll take it. They take. They'll take any coach who gets fired. It's, it's a rule, I think, that they have to. Or you can do. You could go work for the Big Ten Network if you really want to work and you want to stay busy. Um, or you could just travel and hang out with your wife. Uh, you know, watch your kid play um, football. I'm not even sure where Nate's going. I, I think he may be going to Cincinnati. Um, enjoy your grandkids. Stuff like that. Just have a normal life. I mean, you're awfully young to have to do that. But what what my fear is, is that, in, and I'll tell you what, uh, let me get to that in a minute. My fear is that after a year, he goes, you know, I'm feeling great. You know, I, I tried a new uh, drug and it's working really well. I think I'm ready to go back. Uh, the Cleveland Browns job is open. Let me give that a shot. I, I, and he, and he's right back where he was. Um, but look, Urban treated me unbelievably well in, in a lot of areas, uh, helping out with our golf tournament, helping with my dad. He, he came out to our tournament a couple of times. And I... I, I, I do have those memories and that that is going to stay with me but the negative part of it I just can't overlook. I can't overlook a guy who looked the other way on domestic abuse and that's all there is to it. Um, and so that's all I really want to say about that. Um, but I'm telling you if he does that if he sits out seven months eight months nine months and then all of a sudden his name gets linked with a job and he, uh, Brian Kelly retires or you um, uh, you know Nick Saban retires or Gus Malzahn gets fired or an NFL team's calling and he goes to it. All the Ohio State fans right now are pretty much in his he can do no wrong. He got he the, the, the university screwed him over and he's uh he's a great guy and he's done so many great things here. And all they're they're feeling nothing but but sadness and remorse that he has to leave because of what he's done. But if he does that again they're going to hate him, too, the way Florida fans hate him. And I do think Florida fans are a little misguided in that hatred and that it's so vicious for all the things he d- did here. Um, but you, this guy is, no matter what, let's just take all that out of it, one of the three or four best coaches I believe that's ever coached this game. And one thing I look at more than anything, 7-0 and against Michigan, 17-2 against his rivals here. And that would be, obviously, Georgia, FSU, Tennessee, which was a rivalry. I don't know if it is anymore. And then the one game against Miami. The guy's amazing at, at winning those kind of games and and owning Jim Harbaugh. The happiest guy in the world has got to be Jim Harbaugh right now. He's going to be going, uh, Urban, I don't have to worry about that anymore? Oh, what a relief. Thank goodness. Um, but, it, it, you know, the legacy of Urban Meyer is a very complicated, messy one. Um if you're just looking at results on the field, he's right up there. I think behind Bryant and Saban, you could argue Bud Wilkinson. I'm going way back for all the games they won. You could argue, you can even argue Dabo a little bit. I, although I think to do it at the in the SEC and the Big Ten's better than doing what he's done in the ACC. But still, I, I think he's I think he's third all time. That that would be my opinion. But you can't get away from. The other things, all the arrests here, all the looking the other way that happened here, Percy Harvin. Um, I know Gator fans now kind of love Percy, but Percy Harvin was a bad dude when he was here. The Aaron Hernandez stuff, obviously. Uh, this is a, this is, and I'm I, this may be totally unfair, but there are three players that he had here at Florida that have committed suicide: Kyle Morgan, Aaron Hernandez, Avery Atkins. And I'm not blaming him in, in any way, but you know, there's there's when you when you see a stat like that, you're wondering why those things happen, why those things happen to players that played for him. Now, I think they're all three separate incidents, and maybe I shouldn't even bring it up. So forget I said that. But it did happen. Uh, let's take a break on that positive note. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Gators matchup. Uh, what I think of the Final Four. And uh, i got a million things to talk about. So not having a guest is fine this week. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com.
0: The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better winning is great for the program but not for everything (coughs) did you know what winning also does it creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day oh no most hotels triple their normal rates and charge at least two nights minimum what and if the gators really start winning everything will be sold out way in advance no no have you ever thought about owning your own place in gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. 352-226-8474. Ticket City presents why you go to the game to see the Florida Gators.
1: That was the loudest the stadium ever was. That was a South Carolina game that Jarvis Moss blocked the kick to end the game. I had walked over at the Gator Walk and he came walking through and I had touched his hand and then he blocked it with that hand. So I was totally good Okay, luck. so put yourself in the um, action. I told with Ticket everybody City. Visit Wednesday Gators and Thursday, the Florida was going to the beach tickets. to play Michigan, and the only thing that would change would be if Georgia beat Alabama. So I'm sitting there with my dad, and we're watching that game, and I, I'll be honest with you, I'm rooting for Alabama. I want Alabama to win. I've become kind of a I, I, I talked about this before, a little bit of a closet Nick Saban fan, and that um, I don't always like the way he does things either, uh, but I I admire what he's been able to do, and look. Florida's in the East with Georgia. You don't want them to get too far away. And you, let me tell you what, when you watch them play against Alabama, you realize how far Florida still has to go. You know, And I talked about that last year, that I thought there was a pretty big gap in talent between Florida and Georgia. And I don't think that gap has really narrowed that much. I think the development these Florida players are getting, the coaching they're getting – uh, is is so much better that they're doing a better job and they maybe have narrowed it a little bit but not that much. I mean they were look they were in the game for three quarters with Georgia this year as we all know um and just kind of it got away from them at the end. Uh, but Georgia's Georgia's better in Florida right now. It's a better program and it's a be, it's it's better coached. Um so but while that was going it was 28-14 and I'm like you know it's in the worst thing in the world. Even though I'm rooting for Alabama, this isn't the worst thing in the world because now Florida's going to go to the Sugar Bowl and probably play Texas or probably it would actually be Oklahoma because Oklahoma would have been out of the uh, college football playoff. And, and while Florida can't score with Oklahoma, who cares? It'll be fun. We'll get to go to New Orleans for, for five or six days. Um, so I was, I was okay with that. And then just sit there and watch what happened. Obviously, the the fourth down punt, fake punt, was just a dumb play. I've talked to Georgia writers who are very I, – I, one thing about the, the guys that cover Georgia, they're very uh, objective. We all should be objective. I'm probably not as objective as I should be because I've lived here so long, 31 years covering this team, uh, grew up a Gator fan, so I, I sometimes I – I'm upset with myself for not being more objective. I like the the fact that the Georgia guys are pretty objective, and they're all saying the same thing. And I pointed this out in my column. Not only did Kirby lose the national championship chance, lose the SEC championship, lose the game, lost over, over half a million dollars in incentives, he lost something really important for the SEC in having two teams in for the second year row. And you know what else he lost? Any momentum towards a bigger playoff. Now, I I've talked about this why I don't think necessarily that a, that an 18 playoff makes sense, and a lot of it has to do with this year, the fact that you could theoretically had Pitt Northwestern go um, to a playoff which they don't belong in a playoff. But any momentum that it might have been built up from last year would have been even bigger this year because you would have had two SEC teams and Notre Dame in. So that meant three conferences would be left out. So he calls us that. It was a dumb call. It wasn't wasn't the dumbest call in the world in terms of what he called. They had a play that would have worked had Alabama not had a coach on their sidelines, who's pretty smart. And that's the thing. They said, well, if we'd snapped it quickly, a guy was uncovered. Well, you still had to pick up 11 yards. I... I don't know if, he, if if you could have done that. And, and the game was on the line. Well, we want to be aggressive. Try, we're trying to win the game is what I've heard from Georgia fans. Well, punting it deep and making Jalen Hurts, who obviously has worked on his passing game, but I would take my chances on him being able to drive down a score than just giving him the ball in great field position like it, like they did. Uh, the Jalen Hurts story was incredible. I, I literally – like there are times when I go – I don't know about this. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I'm getting old. I'm getting tired and sore and everything. But there, that was one of those, and I told my wife this, I go, that was one of those days when I go, man, I wish I was in the press box. I was. wish, wish I was in the press box and I was going downstairs to write that story and talk to the people involved. That was one of those unbelievable stories for him to come back and win that game. So um, that game was a great game, obviously. The uh, the Texas Oklahoma game was really fun to watch. The UCF game, you got to give them credit. And I've never not given UCF credit, not one time. I give them all the credit in the world for what they've done. They're an amazing football team. Do they belong in the playoff? Not in a chance. There's no way they do. Uh, there's no path for them to get in, even though Bill Han- Hancock keeps saying there is. The only path for them to get in is that nobody wins. Everybody has at least three losses. I think because. There just isn't a path for them to get in, and that's fine. I have no problem with that because I think when when you play the schedule that they are, they play because they have trouble now, they don't want to do the two-for-ones, and so USF does. Florida's playing a USF on a two-for-one. They don't want to do that. Uh, but 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 irregardless, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but it doesn't really matter. They're not in. They're actually going – to a pretty fun bowl game in Phoenix. I, I'm not sure, actually, in Glendale, but I'm not sure how they're going to travel for that game. Uh, I'm not sure how motivated LSU is going to be. We'll get into those games in a minute. But obviously, on Sunday, I'm sitting there waiting for the uh, the four, and there was a moment where I'm sitting there, and they're getting ready to unveil the fourth team, and I'm like, holy cow, this could be game-changing. If they put Georgia in, this could change – Everything I'm writing, everything we're doing, it would put Florida back in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, but they didn't, and they shouldn't. And, and my reasons are pretty simple. Look, Georgia had their chance. That's number one. Number two, uh, Georgia had two losses. Oklahoma had one. Oklahoma avenged its only loss. Georgia had a really bad loss to LSU in Baton Rouge, where, by the way, the momentum-changing play of the game was a fake field goal that didn't work. Kirby, you might want to think about getting rid of those. Um, and But there was a moment where you know you kind of almost felt your heartbeat a little faster. Like, well, what are they going to do? But you knew pretty much what they were going to do. They were going to go. It was a safe choice. You know, I know Scott Strickland is on that committee. I haven't really specifically talked to him much about that pick. We talked about a lot of other things the other day. But – you had, to go. you had to go with Oklahoma. I mean, here's a team that's put up unbelievable numbers, probably going to have the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, they were um, – okay, so their defense stinks. It's the worst defense to ever play in the playoffs. They made some plays when they had to, though. Made, made them against West Virginia. Made them in this game. Um, but just because you're bad on defense doesn't mean you're not worthy of getting in. Were they one of the four best teams? I, I I would argue they probably weren't. I think Georgia was. But Georgia also kind of peaked at the right time at the end of the year. But they had their chance. They had them beat and they couldn't hold on. Um, but in the in the end, I just think Oklahoma should be the team that goes in there with, with only one loss and having a three-point loss, which they avenged. Um, I don't think they're as good as, as Georgia. I think if they went and played on neutral field – Right now, Georgia would handle them, but that's not what it's about. It's about, and, and there's no right answer to it. I personally think Oklahoma should be in, so they're in. Uh, it would have been really gutsy to put Georgia in, and it would have, I mean, we 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 would be talking about it for weeks, not just days. Uh, but of course, everything's switched now that everybody's going to talk about Urban all day today, and of course, Florida goes to the Peach, which again uh, we talked about last week. For some reason, nobody wanted to believe what I I was saying. I did have pretty good knowledge about it, Um, but but the reason was it's it's really a simple reason. And of course, UCF fans are going to have their conspiracy theories because you know this is what they do. But like I said, comp, go polish your pretend trophy. I mean, the bottom line is in the bowl system, the way it's set up. The teams that have those New Year Six bowls want to kind of pass the buck on the group of five teams. So the Peach had UCF last year; they really didn't want them this year. Now I know there's a lot of talk that they would have loved to have had UCF, Florida, um, but I don't think I don't think you I don't think they really wanted that. They, a lot of people believe they did, but you c- kind of can't do that if Michigan's ranked as high as they were and now you're you're saying to them go play LSU out in that bowl. So once but once you eliminated if 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 you believe that and you eliminate UCF from the peach and you're basically saying look we're passing you along to the next school because we don't want you two years in a row you couldn't send both Florida and UCF to the Fiesta because you would sell no tickets. None. I know Florida fans to go see a game against UCF would – I mean, I don't know how they're going to show up for the Peach, but they wouldn't have shown up for that game. So you put LSU out there, which is closer, and it's easier to get to, and you hope that it all works out. But it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what any of us think about who's playing who or who's playing where or who's playing why. This is what it is. Uh, in fact, the Pac-12 is upset because Washington State, they felt like at 10-2, and two, even with no non-conference games of note – should have gotten in over Florida, but they didn't. Pac-12 had a terrible year. Pac-12's commissioner got booed off the field when their their championship game had nobody at it. did You see the crowd for that game? They count They said it was like thirty four thousand. It was more like fourteen thousand. Looked like. So you know, in in the end, I think it all works out. I don't know that it's left us with a ton of compelling games but because there's so much SEC in it uh, it is weird not to have Florida State in I'll be totally honest it's weird because you're like well once FSU play I want to be able to root against them yeah, they aren't there um, so anyway that's where we are with all of that um, a couple things and I'll take another break I have to time the breaks out a little bit better uh, but but just so you guys know, we're not going to always have guests going forward. We're going to continue doing the podcast every every week except Christmas week. And then uh, obviously going forward through basketball, right up through the spring game. We're going to continue to do this, this weekly podcast. They probably won't be quite as long. They probably won't have as many guests. Not every week. Um, football seasons where we really want to hit it hard. But we're going to try to make them still really interesting. Uh, so I'll get to some of the other things. I did want to mention this feeling that Jalen Hurts stuck by his team. He was a great teammate. And, and it all paid off for him in the end. Which is all true. And I agree. And it's a great story. But it doesn't mean that because you transfer somewhere that you're a bad person. Or you are you should be criticized. You know, Baker Mayfield transferred. How would that work out for him? Uh, Cam Newton transferred. It worked out pretty good for him. Guys transfer all the time. I give Jalen Hurts credit for sticking it out but I read a story and I think it's important to note this that when when, when after that championship game last year and he was replaced by Tua and he's in he's in the hotel with his parents and he's crying what do we do now so winning wasn't the most important thing that day now I don't blame him for crying and feeling that way but it can't be both ways you know what I'm saying And I'm not criticizing him in any way for that. But if winning was all that mattered, he wouldn't have been upset after they won, right? But I do get why he's upset. Am I making any sense at all? You know, Jake Coker transferred, won a national championship. Um, Nick Marshall transferred and got to a national championship game. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with doing what's good for you. Florida's about to get a kid from Louisville. Uh, Defensive player is one of their best players. Nobody's complaining about that. I just don't think it's it's. I think it's a great story, but you you can be, you can tr- not transfer, or transfer and still be a great story. And people shouldn't criticize kids who transfer. I just think it gets crazy. Now, one thing that's going on right now, as you're seeing, everybody keeps asking me about recruiting, recruiting. How oh, well, I can't Florida recruit, and I keep telling them be patient. And you're seeing it pick up, and they're putting together. For this year, they have a big recruiting weekend this weekend. They're flipping guys. Um, And, again, I don't pay a ton of attention to it, okay? I I notice on Twitter when a guy flips or a guy commits or a guy doesn't commit or a guy visits, I just notice it. But you look at what they're doing for 2020, um, that class is already uh, building up. I mean, they're going to build this thing up. Just everybody be patient in the recruiting part of it. And it's all going to, I believe strongly, it's all going to work out. One thing you have to remember is that Dan Mullen, when he came here, didn't have a lot to sell here. I know I've talked about this before, but think about it. He didn't have a ton to sell. And as the season went on, he had more to sell. Well, yeah, but you don't have that much to sell on offense. Well, they peak at the end of the year. The offense gets good. Played some bad defenses, but the offense looked good people look at jakai polite the year he had go hey i wouldn't mind being that guy so let me go to florida all those things are helping them now go forward in the recruiting process and uh certainly doing a, a heck of a job so far all right let's take another break real quick one we'll come back we'll talk about the different seasons of the year also get into a little bit of um the uh the spreads some early spreads and of course three things still to come you're listening to the duly noted podcast at gatorsports.com Okay, I uh, welcome back to the Dooley Noted podcast. A uh, couple things I talked about the seasons. There are different seasons. You know, Steve Spur coined the—I I believe this was his invention, right? Talking season in the in the summer, which is uh, was brilliant because it is talking season because that's all anybody does is talk, and nothing really happens unless it's bad. I, I've said this a million times. Nothing bad happens before the season start. I mean, nothing good can happen before the season start ain't any news that comes out is always bad but now we're in we have three seasons in one even though the bowls are coming up it's not bowl season yet got to wait till next saturday but right now we're in voting season we're in hiring season and firing season and we're in transaction season let me go through them one by one number 1 voting season uh, a lot of a lot of uh, things I vote on, including the Blitnikoff Award. Uh, today, I've, I got my AP, All-American, first and second team in. I, I did vote for Ja'Kai Polite, first team. I did vote for Martez Ivy second team. Uh, very heavy SEC lean, but look, the SEC had eight teams ranked in the final rankings. They, they had the best players. I'm going to vote for guys that I think are the best players, and I have a better feel for them, probably, than I do for some other guys. It's hard. It's like I don't know that I should be voting on who's the best right guards in college football. Now, I watch it and I pay attention, but really, do I really know who who had the best year at right guard in college football? Probably not, but it's part of the deal we do. Of course, all SEC, I I was voted on that as well, uh, the AP version of that. And I did have C.J. Henderson on there. He didn't make it on the AP, uh, any of the teams, which I think is a travesty, but I think it was short-sighted. I think too many guys – and I talk about how – I just talked about how I don't know that I'm best suited to, to vote for the best offensive guard, but I am I think I'm pretty well suited to vote for the best SEC defensive backs. I've seen all of them play a lot. And C.J. Henderson had a great year. He just didn't have a lot of picks. They didn't throw his way a ton. And when he was out of the Georgia game, Florida's secondary fell apart. And he was without Marco Wilson this year. Um, I put him on there. The coaches did as well, and I agree with them. They uh, they voted – or the, we did. The, I did not vote for um, Mark Stoops as Coach of the Year. It's, I We talked about this with Laura Rutledge the other day. That's as good a choice as any. I voted for Dan Mullen. And because he went from four and seven to nine and three, and, and I've seen close up the transformation that's happened with this program. I uh, mean, you could have voted for Saban, and I would have said, yeah, I almost did. In fact, for national coach of the year, and maybe I'm contradicting myself, for national coach of the year, I did vote for Saban. So uh, you know, I think on a national level, he ha- he is the coach of the year. On an SEC level, it's a little different. Is that even? close to making any sense no of course it isn't anyway that's how I voted in fact I voted on the national poll I voted Saban Brian Kelly and I think I voted Mullen third as I recall there's so many votes to take place um but Martez Ivy did make it third time Martez ivy has been on an all SEC team at the end of the year uh second or third team or whatever um for the career he's had he's very lucky to have been on that much but I think Martez seemed to get it this year I think you could have put Juan Taylor on there too Um, I thought about it there's a lot of good tackles in this league Uh, and then of course the Heisman I had to vote on that Sunday always take that seriously I I had one hiccup in my life and didn't take it seriously and I always regretted it and I'm not going to get into who it was Um, but I can't tell you who I voted for because the, the Heisman people don't allow it. I will tell you this: it came down. I watched Saturday's game, and it changed my decision, just enough to vote for somebody one and somebody two that I probably would have had reversed going into that week. And I'm I, again, I'm not trying to make it like, well, that game changed my. No, I mean, I was. It was close to me, and I'm just saying. If I had voted for Kyler Murray number one, if I voted for Kyler Murray number one, here would be the reason to do it. Every game, he had to play great. He had to have – even the game they lost was, what, 45, 42, something like that. He had to be unbelievable on offense because their defense is so bad. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa didn't have to be great, but he was. And there's a good reason to vote for him. He had an unbelievable year. He didn't play great Saturday. He was hurt. And you got to take that into account, too. Who? It's a, it's a total body of work. And Dwayne Haskins is another guy that, look, I think the world, that guy, I think he's unbelievable. I'll just say all three were on my ballot. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? They're all three finalists, so I think I'm allowed to say that. I think you're getting a feel, though, where I went. But I can't say it. I'm not allowed. All right. We move to hiring season, and I, I – I don't know if I am ready to live in a world where Urban Meyer is not a head coach and Jim McElwain is again, but he gets hired at Colorado State. It's kind of a – you know, to go from where he was. He's at Colorado State, up-and-coming coach, people like him. I mentioned him the first day as soon as Muschamp was fired – I said, you know, Jim McElwain. I didn't know Jim McElwain. I didn't know anything about him, and I—I I, that was a bad decision on my part, as it was on Jeremy's fault, fault, uh, Paul part. I'm having a hard time talking, and I think both of us would tell you we were both wrong. But the bottom line is, he's a now he comes to Florida. Obviously, we know what happens here, and has to kind of. Resurrect his career by going for a year at Michigan, and then um, is now at Central Michigan. Strange, but and and it's funny because all the the press conference was was the same press conference he gave here. It was pretty much the same stuff. He's got his stuff down. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, offensive coordinator South Southern Cal, uh, which sounds like a really good move that may get them back because they need to get they got a young quarterback. They need to get offense going. Uh, I think Cliff Kingsbury will be back in college football as a head coach again, uh, but he's now he's back in college football at Southern Cal. Chip Lindsey from Auburn to Kansas, which I'm sure that wasn't on voluntarily. Um, and then uh, Walt Bell, who was the offensive coordinator at, at FSU. That didn't go well. Uh, he's one of he, he is now the head coach at UMass, and according to at least one report, I saw he took a pay cut, which tells you he was kind of shoved out. The, the, the whole negative um, connotation that's not the one I'm trying to say the the book on Willie Taggart is he struggles to hire assistant coaches and Walt Bell was one that raised some eyebrows like really? he's going to be your OC? and you saw them play guys it wasn't just certainly wasn't Walt Bell's fault Um, their defense wasn't very good their offensive line wasn't very good they make a lot of stupid mistakes that is a total coaching problem and supposedly they're going to make other changes too at florida state so you got all that going on and then you got the transaction season going on where guys are announcing they're coming out and some are announcing they're not gonna play in bowl games uh jared stidham apparently is going out no big surprise to anybody uh Greedy Williams says he's not playing in the bowl game. But Devin White says, everybody keeps saying I'm not playing. I'm playing in the bowl game. Everybody's got, you know, whatever you're – I'm not blaming Greedy. I understand why he wants to – although Greedy, you know. Uh, and yet, you know, here's the thing. And you get on a bus. I was joking with somebody. Now that he's at uh, Central Michigan, Macklin go, well, here's the thing. We get on a bus. Then we get on another bus because we don't fly planes. Um Debo Samuels isn't playing in the bowl game. Can't blame him. The guy's had an injury-prone career. I would take the chance of playing in that bowl game. What are they, the Belk, I think? Uh, Rashawn Gary from Michigan, who's had an injury-plagued year as well. Uh, Ed Oliver, who's had an injury-plagued year and, and hasn't gotten along with his head coach. Um, A.J. Brown's gone pro. So a lot of stuff happened like that. The word is that Kelly Bryant's going to Arkansas, and then everybody says, no, 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 that's not true. I don't know where he's going yet. It's supposed to be Auburn or Missouri. If he goes to Arkansas, I, and Kelly Bryant, I got no problem with you transferring. What are you doing? They stink. You go to Auburn, you go to Missouri, you at least got a chance to do something. Now, I, I personally think Kelly Bryant is a good – quarterback but not a great quarterback. I think he's was surrounded by great talent and I think they made the move they made because they saw what Alabama was doing with Tua and they said we can't beat them with Kelly Bryant. But Kelly an, a, a good quarterback going to Arkansas is still got a recipe for like 4 or 5 wins. I, I, if he does that, I, I don't think it's the smartest move, but it's his life, as we've talked about a million times. So, we, so those were the seasons that we have going on. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more. I'm going to give you the early spreads on the SEC games as well as three things. You're listening to the Pat Dooley Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com.
0: Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rates and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No no have you ever thought about owning your own place in gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends call betsy pepine the top realtor in gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey noted podcast at 352-226-8474 and she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to gainesville and when you're not using the place she'll airbnb it and take care of all the details Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. 352-226-8474.
1: okay some spreads you want some spreads we're getting look not a lot of Florida Michigan talk we're going to save that for down the road in fact I'll make sure we have a guest come on to um, talk about that game somebody who knows the Big Ten a little bit better than I do I mean I know Michigan is really good defensively their numbers and then they gave up 62 to Urban and you know I'm the one who asked Dan Mullen on the uh, teleconference the other day. Are you going to call Urban? He goes, yeah, but he never thought he'd be calling. Go, hey, I thought you're leaving. Just, just another note on Urban. I've had his text message and I text number for a text number, his cell number for a long time, and we've talked dozens and dozens of times. But I didn't talk to him after the the whole thing because I just I like I said I washed my hands and I. But I did try to send him a, an email or a text and just say, hey, good luck with whatever you decide to do. Um, you know. And just, just that simple. Uh, unfortunately, he's changed his cell phone number and deleted a lot of things out of it. But at any rate, I, I, w- I wish I could have just said, hey, you know, regardless, I, I don't agree with what you did. I don't like the way you acted. I don't like the way you enabled and, or have ever enabled. And I finally was fed up with it. But I don't wish you any harm. And I hope you are okay. And I hope you find some peace. I do. I really do. You may not. I do. Alright, some of the spreads. Alabama already a 14-point favorite over Oklahoma. Here's the thing, though, that I keep going back to in this game, and we'll talk more about it in the future. If Tua who's had surgery now on his ankle, if that thing doesn't respond the right way and he didn't get the practice time, the Jalen Hurts story is incredible, but I don't think that Alabama team is scoring with that Oklahoma team with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. So, if I was a better, as we all know I'm not, and as, as we all know the, the locks I've given you have ended up being disasters for the most part. If I was a better, I might grab Oklahoma in 14 right now. And then, oh, uh, two is not going to play. Well, yeah, uh, Now all of a sudden the spread comes down. Uh, but Alabama's really good, and, and they make plays when they need to. I, I will would. There's no way I would pick anybody but Alabama to win the game. 14 seems a lot. Clemson 11 over Notre Dame. And um, that a lot of it is because nobody really thinks Notre Dame's that great but they're 12-0 and 0 and they played a decent schedule and I don't know how good they are. I really don't because I watched them against FSU. It was freezing cold. FSU didn't want to be there and they and that was with Wimbush and they, they handled FSU. They're clearly better than them but who? Florida handled them. Um, I, I watched some of their other games. Obviously the Syracuse game kind of sticks out as them taking care of business, beating Michigan is, you know, huge for them. Um, I just don't know how good they are, though, and I don't know if they can stay with Clemson. We'll see. Uh, And by the way, Miami, three-point favorite of Wisconsin. But I want to get to the SEC ones. There are 11 SEC teams playing in bowl games, including Alabama. Only two of them are underdogs. Uh, Auburn's a favorite over Purdue, four and a half. Vandy's over Baylor, six and a half. I know Baylor's not anything special, but that seems a little high to me. Missouri, 10 over Okie State. That seems a little high as well. South Carolina, four-point favorite over Virginia. Texas A&M, four-and-a-half over NC State, which may be low. Uh, Mississippi State, six-point favorite over Iowa. Kentucky is an underdog against Penn State, which is probably right. Uh, LSU, seven-and-a-half over UCF. I bet you see that spread go up as the game gets closer. And Georgia, uh, 11 over Texas, which seems a little high to me as well. Of course, Florida, seven and a half point underdog against Michigan. Uh, Michigan had a great year and had one bad game. That's really it. Florida had a really good year for what they uh, were expected to do and what they had coming back and the players they had. They had a really, really good year. But they had a really bad loss to Missouri and – you know, the Kentucky game was early, so I you kind of watched that out. And it, everybody says, well, they lost that game by I, I don't know how many points it was. Well, don't forget, the game was a one-possession game on the last play of the game. But then they had the, the fumble and, and kind of weird, bizarre score. It wasn't like they dominated the game. But they did dominate the line of scrimmage. So those are the spreads, just to give them to you early. Let's go ahead to three things. It's time for three things. Okay, thing thing number one, <laughs> thing number one. Um, I I I will I will say this again. There aren't too many bowl games. You can tell me that there are too many bowl games. There are forty-one bowl games. You can tell me there's a bunch of six and six teams. Although I think there were like five six and six teams that let got left out. There was no talk about five and seven this year. Okay, there aren't too many bowl games. You don't have to watch any of them. You can say. I'm not watching any bowl games. Guess what? There weren't too many bowl games on your TV. Just sit back and enjoy it. Next Saturday, not this Saturday, next Saturday there are six bowl games on. None of them look all that intriguing, although I think Arizona State, Fresno State, uh, I'll probably watch a little bit of all of them. Just because I love college football, and this is, our, this is it, peeps. Over the next few weeks, this is it for college football, so enjoy it. You don't have to watch them, though. I mean, I'm, there are teams that you would say I would don't know if I want to watch them play in my front yard. I get that, but there aren't too many games. Those you think it's you think anybody who's going to a bowl game is not happy to get the perks that come with it—free meals and the food and the—and they're they're great for coaches because they get to practice. Although I will say this, it's my feeling. I've thought maybe this is a column someday. The teams that make it to a bowl game get 15 extra practices. That's the opposite of the NFL, where the worse you are, the higher your draft pick. In, in, in college, we say, uh, you weren't very good. Guess what? You're done. You don't get to practice anymore. Shouldn't we allow everybody to practice? What do you think? Is that a column? You f- Feel free to email me or text me on that one. I think it might be a column. All right, uh, number two, I was just stumbling across something. I found the latest Bracketology, and I know you're laughing. Who cares what Bracketology says right now, but it's out, and they got Florida as a 10 seed, and I was like, no, 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 they're not a 10 seed. They're a zero seed right now because uh, they've got to get some things going in the non-conference. Uh, the conference isn't as good as we thought it was going to be. Uh, the, the results so far have not been great for this conference, and Florida really needs, you know. I asked, I asked Mike White, is it time to fish or cut bait? He goes, I don't even know what that means. And I told him, I said, or you could say pooper get off the pot. I didn't want to bring that one up, but it is time for Florida right tonight. Late night game, West Virginia, who's unranked, but you still it'd still be a quality win. You never know how quality it'll be going forward. You need to win this game and or Michigan State, which is ranked, on Saturday. You can't lose both those games, and and you know, I think you're going to make the tournament. I mean, Florida's really in a, in a crossroads in their season, but they're not a seat. They're not in the tournament right now. They haven't beaten anybody. Stanford's awful. I don't know what's wrong with this team. I, I talked about it a little bit last week uh, when we asked Mike White about um, Jalen Hudson. He seemed to almost like I, I don't, I don't know. I can't. I can't put my finger on it. Uh, so that's part of his job. He's got to get that done. And finally, number three on three things, I finally won a memory contest with Steve Spurrier. Woohoo! Pretty excited about that. Doesn't happen very often. The guy never forgets anything. But I'm listening to him. I'm driving over to uh, St. Augustine on Saturday. He's on Sirius, and somebody asked him, what's it like when you go up against a guy who was an assistant coach for you? Uh, in a game. I mean, that, that's that got to be hard. How was it for you? And he said, hey, well, you know, um, I never did. Never had to. It's kind of weird that I never had to play up against, play against the coach that coached for me. I immediately called him, left him a voicemail. Bobby Pruitt, 2001, Marshall. And he called me right back after he got off the radio. He goes, God dang it. <laughs> he got me on that. I forgot all about that. He goes, well, I blocked it off. I go, well, coach, I didn't say this, but I was thinking to myself, maybe you blocked it out because like Eight days later or nine days later, 9-11 happened. Maybe that's why. Yeah, It kind of got out of your brain. Um, but at any rate, he has coached once against – and the weird thing about that was Marshall had like 11 guys suspended on the week of the game. Some I don't even remember what happened. And Florida beat him pretty easily. He knew the score, though. I'd have to look it up right now. I think it was 49-10, to something like that. He knew the score. All right, so that will do it for this – Dooley Noted Podcast. We'll be back with another one next week. Look forward to talking to you. We'll probably bring a guest in next week. Like I said, just got kind of overwhelmed with all the craziness of this this week. It has been a crazy week. Um, trying to get our bowl plans, you know, for me and my family and everything else, too, has been part of it. But we appreciate everyone for clicking on. Until next time, I'm Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here.